We're in Luke right now. We're, we're reading through the book of Luke, and we started in January, and today we're up to chapter 5. Uh, the second thing David wanted me to mention to you guys was last week. Uh, if you were here, you know this. If you weren't, you can listen to David's talk uh, online or through the Facebook page. Uh, but last week, one of the things he talked about when he was talking about how Jesus understood his calling to ministry and how that uh, can be something we can learn from, is he talked about this model. He put up this slide saying, where do I fit in the church? And in Ephesians, it talks about these different sort of ministry offices, these places God has wired particular people for. And he talked about how do you know if you're wired for that? And I think the slides are also online and uh, you can you can connect to those as well. But he wanted me to run back over that real quick and just say, you know, these are the five places, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And I think what he wanted me to communicate was just that we're seeking to dig a little bit deeper into that. One of our anchors here at our church is this idea that God's created good works for everybody, that the, the work of God's kingdom is not just for vocational pastors or preachers, but that God calls us all to the work of the kingdom. And, and, and this is part of it, um, understanding how God has wired you uh, in ministry, and we need all of these things. So I just encourage you to pray through those things if you haven't already started, but just to ask God, kind of where am I in the midst of that? And and if I know what it is, if I know where I, I fit in that, then God show me, give me some direction on that. And if I don't, then God uh, reveal that to me. And if you have any other things about that, you could probably email David or you could email me, um, and we could deal with that probably more uh, directly. So this week, last week we looked at Jesus's call, and this week Luke takes us in to kind of gives us this in-depth look at the call of the first disciples. And one of the reasons uh, that I think Luke's version of this is, is really cool and honestly really helpful is that uh, the other Gospels have some version of this calling in there, but they're generally pretty short, right? And so you have this thing there that is kind of big and, and a little bit scary and intimidating, right? Like Jesus is just sort of walking by the shore and he walks past these guys and he says, hey, y'all, come on. And they just go. They just leave everything and they go and they follow. And it, and, and it, it kind of creates this sense in us with like, how do you do that? Like, I don't know how you can do that. And, and there's this thing, there's this limitedness, um, I think, in just seeing those passages and our ability to understand how do you work your way into that. And I think Luke does a good job of helping us deal with, there's kind of this can't to that. And, and essentially, um, let me try to explain it. I, uh, a lot of you guys know that my wife and I, we just bought a home. Um, it's the first home that we've lived in that we've owned in about four years. And so we're really excited about it. Um, we're really encouraged. And the first night we were in there, and we were just kind of looking around, right? Like, you know that feeling where if, like, you haven't owned a home and you're looking and you're like, this is ours. Or you're like, really, that closet is ours. The rest is the banks. But a lot of this is out, like, it feels like it's ours. Like, they're not going to come if things break. And so, um, and so Jane was asking me, she's like, when do you think it'll really sink in? When do you think you'll feel like it's yours? And I said, the first time something breaks is when I will feel like it is ours because you can't call somebody. One of the cool things about renting is that you just, like, something's not working. You just call, and they just come, and that's it. Like, that's what's done. And so, so, so yesterday, I got to feel like my house was my own. Um, so... It's the positive spin. Um, we've had this problem actually since we moved in uh, a couple of weeks ago of uh, our sink, our kitchen sink, the hot water does not work. It works everywhere else in the home, thank God, uh, but it does not work in the sink. You can turn on the cold water and it's fine. You turn on the hot water and it doesn't work. And like, if, if you don't know this about me, 
like home improvement projects are not my thing. Like every home improvement project that I've done over the past two and a half years, at some point I reach this sentence, better call Jerry. Right? Like, that's what I do. And if you don't know Jerry, Jerry was here at the 9 o'clock service. Jerry is a guy in our church who can fix everything I can mess up. And so every time, I hit a better call Jerry moment. And so yesterday, I was underneath our sink, happy Valentine's Day, um, for like three and a half hours. I mean, like, it felt, it probably wasn't that long, but it felt like forever. And I was just, I actually, not only was I not fixing things, I was making them worse. Right? And so finally, I was like, I'm at the better call Jerry moment, and but I was like, it's Valentine's Day. I called anyway, and so and he didn't answer. Good for him. And so, but then all of a sudden, I was like, we're stuck. I'm stuck at can't, right? Like I'm I'm at can't. And so for me, like I'll stare at can't for a little while, and I'll just kind of like you know kind of pound my fist a little bit. And then what I will do to make it better is that I will move from can't to comfort, right? And I'll be like, we don't really need you know who needs hot water. In their kid, I mean, people in Africa don't even have, right? Like, you start to have these conversations. <laughs> like, I don't need it. We can wash dishes in the bathroom, in the tub. Like, we don't, why do you need hot water in your kitchen? And, and there's this thing, like, when we hit can't, that we get tempted to settle for, like, whatever's comfortable. Instead of pressing through, we want to settle for what's comfortable. And for you, it may not be home improvement, but it's something, right? Every single one of us has something. Like, none of us is endlessly resourceful, right? And so you have things that you hit. Maybe it's work. Maybe you always kind of get to this point at work or dealing with people at work or even kind of tolerating your job where you're just like, I can't. Like, I can't do it anymore. And so, like, you're either just going to be frustrated sort of uh, in the midst of this, or you can sort of settle back into comfort, and you can be like, well, I guess people just hate their jobs, right? I guess that that's just the way it is. And you can do that with, like, your spouse, right? Like, for some of us, not people just hate their spouse, but for some of us, like, there's this thing where, like, we constantly hit this thing again and again and again in our marriage, and, and ultimately, like, it just gets so frustrating that we sort of, like, adjust our expectations, right? And, and we kind of settle for, for less than, or, or with our kids, like our relationship with our kids or kind of our ability to communicate with our kids. We, we hit these points of, I, I, I can't go any further. And, and we sort of settle, honestly, like we kind of settle into less than. And whatever the version of not having hot water in your kitchen is for you, like you just sort of, you get so frustrated with can't that you just kind of settle into that. And I think a lot of times that's what happens with the Bible and with Jesus and with church is that we see these things. I was talking to a group of students just this past week, and they were like, I just don't think I can't do that. Like, I can't be that committed. Like, I can't. And another guy that I was talking with this week said, he was talking to us as a group, and he said, you know, like, I just don't have that level of commitment in me. I see this commitment from these disciples. I see this commitment from these people, and I don't know how to get there. And so what we end up doing is we kind of settle back in to this place of mediocrity, and, and it's tough, right? Because we read these stories. We hear about these things, like the one we're going to read today, and we think that would be awesome, but the can't keeps us from getting there. And, and one of the things that we're going to look at just for a few minutes here in Luke is, is this guy, Peter. And, and we know Peter um, from a lot of stories in Scripture, and a lot of the stories that we get of Peter are Peter messing something up, right? Like, but this is a moment, this is one of those great times where Peter doesn't settle for can't. 
right? And Peter actually presses through. And what Luke is saying to all of us in this in-depth look at Peter is this is what discipleship looks like, right? This is what discipleship looks like. Discipleship, a lot of times with Jesus, is looking at can't and then pressing on anyway and not settling for mediocrity. And so, so what we're going to do is, is we're just going to take a look at uh, these 11 verses in Luke uh, where Jesus calls uh, multiple disciples, but Peter kind of gets the spotlight on him. And, and we're going to look at how Peter has these moments where they're just kind of can't moments. And anybody would look at him and say, yeah, you can't do that. But Peter, instead of settling for a mediocre life, presses through. And it's going to be incredible to see, I think, what, uh, what happens each time that he presses through. And, and just like Luke would have wanted, I want to encourage you guys, as we look through this, start to just... Ask the Spirit to show you, like, where am I? Where am I in this process right now of discipleship? Because it moves. It it moves on you. Like this story with Peter, you see it reflected when Jesus is resurrected. And Peter's still sort of walking through these moments with Jesus. And I would just encourage you to ask God, like, at this moment, where am I? Where is the can't when it comes to following you? And and what does it look like uh, to press through that? So I'm going to get started here. Uh, It's going to come up on the screen. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Luke chapter 5. It's going to start in verse 1. And it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. A little bit of background here. Go back to that slide, will you, real quick. A little bit of background here um, on this passage. So this is the second time Luke mentions Simon, and Simon's also Peter. A, a, a little bit of what you would know is Peter has had a couple of encounters with Jesus at this point. The first is his brother Andrew uh, was following John the Baptist, and, and then he sees Jesus, and he goes, and he tells Simon. Um, he says, come here. He says, you need to meet this guy. Something big is happening. And so Simon comes along, and Jesus looks at Simon, and he says, your name is Simon, but at some point you're going to be Peter. Starts foreshadowing. One thing with Jesus, with Peter, is Jesus always sees the end game. Like Peter looks like a mess, but Jesus is constantly looking at the end game. And so they have a little bit of relationship there. Luke shared the story in the last chapter uh, that Jesus kind of starts out this, this public healing uh, thing in uh, Peter's mother-in-law's house. And so he's over there, and so we're to assume that Peter was there uh, with him during that time. And so Peter is starting to engage Jesus. And and this is a big moment for him because Peter isn't yet a follower of Jesus. He's still a fisherman, right? And so he's out kind of doing his job, right? And he's out there and he's fishing and they fished all night. And the thing you're going to find out in a few minutes is they didn't catch anything. So it wasn't a great morning for them. I don't know how you would stay up all night as a fisherman. And then they had to wash their nets Right. And so in them and, and that took like hours. It took several hours for them to wash their nets. And if they didn't do it, their nets would start to fall apart. So you had to do it every day. And then all of that had to happen before they could go to sleep to get ready to get up at dusk again. So, so this is the setting for you with Peter. And then Jesus comes in and gets out into his boat. OK, so this is Lake. This is the Lake Gennesaret. All right. And it was sometimes it's called the Sea of Galilee, but really it was a lake. And and it had this thing and you can still do it today if you go there where, like, if you're a little bit out in the water and you speak, it'll kind of uh, magnify what you're saying. It's just one of those weird sort of idiosyncrasies. I don't know how any of that works. Somebody else who's smart can tell you that. But so Jesus is in the boat, and, and, or Jesus gets into Peter's boat and says, Peter, will you put out a little bit? And so for Peter, 
what Peter has to decide to do is to stop kind of doing his own thing, right, and start engaging Jesus. And, and it would be easy for Peter to look at him and say, I can't, right? Like, I can't. I've got things to do. I've been up all night. It was a rough night, so I'm going to have to work twice as hard tonight. It's not like I can take the night off. I've got to clean these nets. If I stop from cleaning my nets, I've got to put the boat out, and then I've got to bring the boat back in. And he could have said, Jesus, why don't you just teach? From shore today, I've kind of got my own agenda and my own thing going on, and I'm not going to do that. But the cool thing is that Peter has seen enough of Jesus that he says, I'm going I'm to do this. He says, you can get in my boat. You can get in. He kind of presses through all of the reasons, all of the reasons that Peter should focus on his own agenda. And he says, yeah, absolutely. He says, you can do this. I've seen enough of you. I've seen enough of what you're doing that, that you're important enough that I want to let you in. And, and that might be where you're at today, right? Maybe you're in this room because, like, you've seen a little bit of Jesus or you've seen him work with other people or whatever, and, and you're here watching. And I would say to any of us today, if, if Luke is right, if this is the call for all disciples, I would say that Jesus is saying, why don't you, why don't you stop what you're doing for a minute and, and let me get in the boat? And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But that's just the first way um, that Peter says, yeah, I'll press through. And it's funny, it looks small. Right? It's not a big deal. It's not the like, drop your nets and follow me. Okay, we'll follow. It's kind of this small moment where Peter just says yes. And so he, he presses through. And the cool thing is, as he presses through, uh, Jesus leads him into something even deeper. So we'll go on. Um, in the next passage, it says, And when he had finished speaking, so Jesus is done, he's preached, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Now, this is just two verses, right? But, but it's two pretty incredible verses if you look into what you're doing. So Jesus is a rabbi at this point. I mean, that's what he is. He's a rabbi who also kind of has, has shown these sort of miraculous deeds that show that he's connected to God. But Peter is a what? Yeah, you can respond. There you go. So Peter is a fisherman. Right? And so Jesus, the rabbi, looks at Peter, the fisherman, and says, let me tell you what to do when it comes to fishing. Right? Like, this is, those of you who are parents, this is when your friends with no kids want to tell you how to parent. Right? Like, I've got friends like that. And I'm like, let me tell you how to raise a Wookiee, because I know as much about that as you do about raising, right? Like, but single people, this is when married people want to tell you how to date. Right? Like, you know what that is, right? This is are there any students in there? They all bailed on me. Wow, way to go. Any students? Okay, man, this is when your parents want to tell you how to be cool, right? Like, you're like, you're out of your league. I think you're nice, and you pay the bills, and that's sweet and good, but, but you're out of your league. And so there's this portion of Peter who kind of wants to look at Jesus, because Jesus, not only is Jesus telling Peter what to do, he's telling him the wrong way to do it, right? So, so Peter knows, and Peter kind of says this in a nice way, but he's just sort of trying to let him know. He's like, listen, You've just told me to fish during the daytime and to fish far out from shore. And Peter knew that, that when you fished, you didn't do either of those things. That you didn't fish during the daytime. You fished at night because that's when it was easier to catch fish, right? And you didn't fish far out. You fished closer to the shore because you had to throw your nets out. Let's see that picture. They had to throw their nets out onto the shore. I'm gonna, those shorts right there, I bought those for David Eldridge for his birthday. So hopefully you'll see him next week. Um, so we've got to throw our nets out and drag them in. Um, and so you, don't, you can't do that in deep water because you're going to drag them on the ground. And, and not only that, now I'm also going to have to, after I do this dumb thing that is not the way you fish, I'm also going to have to clean all these nets again 
And I had to go through all this stuff again. And plus, I didn't even catch fish fishing the right way, Jesus. And you want me to try to catch them in a way that just seems completely absurd. There's all kinds of can't available for Peter. But the crazy thing is, Peter just, because of the relationship of Jesus, because who he knows Jesus to be, Peter says, I know fishing to be everything else. But because of you, he says, master, because of who I know you to be, I'm going to press through. And I'm going to trust you more than I trust fishing. And I'm going to let down the nets. And so he does that. He presses through camp, and all of a sudden, there's more, right? Here's what happens. It's crazy. This is, when it's in, this is when it really gets crazy. And it says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Now, here's kind of, that's kind of a weird response, isn't it? Like, so what you have is that they do fishing the complete wrong way, and all of a sudden they bring in more fish than they've probably ever brought in. And they have to bring out another boat, and the nets are breaking, and they're throwing all these fish in, and they're like, this is incredible. And when they get back, like what I would expect Peter to say is I expect him to be like, oh, Lord, that was awesome. You're so smart. Now I don't have to stay up tonight because I got all these fish. So it doesn't matter how long it takes. You made me renowned as a fisherman. I'm going to make tons of money. I can take a few days off. You know, thank you so much for all of that. He doesn't do any of that, right? What does he do? Instead, he just gets this thing where he just falls down and he says, I'm not good enough to even be around you. And a lot of people say, like, I've heard people say that that's because he was doubtful, and I don't really see that in the text. I think, I think what I see is this. I think I see Peter looking at himself, doing everything his way, the right way, and getting nothing. And I think Jesus is looking at him and saying, I will do everything the wrong way. Me in the worst circumstances is better than you in the best circumstances. And I think part of it is Jesus just showing off and saying, look at all of this. And Peter's like, that's too much. Like, that's too much. I'm not, I got, I'm bringing nothing to the table in this relationship, right? Like, I've, I've got nothing to give. And, and, he's, and he's, caught, he's, he's caught back, and he, he doesn't know what to do with himself. And, and this is the greatest response, because Jesus doesn't look at him and say, oh, it's okay, I forgive you. He doesn't look at him and say, man, you really screwed up thinking you were that good, Peter. He doesn't do any of those things. Instead, he just says to him this. He says, Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Jesus says, he, he, looks, at, he looks at Peter and he doesn't, he doesn't say, man, you messed up. You've got to get it together. Don't do that again. He says, don't worry about it. I'm about to blow your mind way more. If you think you aren't ready for me, then you, you don't believe. You can't believe what I have in store for you. So I'm not even going to tell you. So just stop being afraid and come on. Don't worry about it. Let's just go. And, and that's not even the craziest part of the passage. The craziest part is that Peter goes. It says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Peter didn't have to go. Peter could have said, no, 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 no. You don't know what you're talking about. Plus, I've got all these fish now. I'm good at fishing. Now I can handle fishing now that you've shown me the method. And, like, I'm just going to do the fish thing. 
I can't go. I've got to take care of these fish, and I've got to feed the family, and I've got to do all of these things through this, and blah, blah, blah. This would be the most irresponsible thing to leave this. None of that. He presses through all of his inhibitions, all of his fears about himself, and it just says he goes. He just goes. The St. Peter that said, I can't even be around you, when Jesus says, come on, he just runs at him. And I think God longs for those days with us. I think God longs for us to press through our can'ts, not when it comes to home improvement, and not even just when it comes to my family or my job, but when it comes to what he is calling us to as the people of God, from what he is calling us to as disciples. Because here's the deal. The only way to more is pressing through can'ts. The only way to more is pressing through can'ts. The only way we're going to get there, and God longs for more for your life, not less, not mediocrity. And and, and so I bring us back to that question, that same question, which is where do you find yourself? Right? Where in, in the story today does God want you to press through can't? You know, for some of us, it's 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 our boat. It's our boat. We have this agenda. We kind of have our lives, and, and Jesus is nice, and, and he's good, and he's even more than nice and good. He's, he might be God, and, and, and I want to be around that. But, but what he's saying to you, what he's saying to you, and what he's saying to me is, will you let me press through your agenda? You know, I remember uh, the first time I, um, <laughs> I was a liar uh, growing up, and I was pretty good at it. And I remember the first time after I became a believer, uh, it wasn't the first time I lied after I became a believer, but it was the first time I got convicted of it. And um, I remember I was talking to somebody, and I just kind of lied, and I walked out of the room, and I was going to get away with it. And all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord was like, you just need to tell them the truth, right? And it wasn't even a worthwhile lie, so it wasn't even, like, explainable by human standards. I could have totally gotten away with it. And I remember having to walk back in the room and tell the person, listen, I just lied to you. And I'm sorry. And they were like, well, what's the big deal? And I had to tell them. I had to say, kind of like, Jesus is in my boat now. And, and I just need to let him have my agenda. And, and I don't know if you're there today. I don't know if there's something in your agenda that God's just saying, I, I just you need to let me in the boat. And I know you've got these goals, and it's your reputation, and it's your family, and it's your this, and it's your that. But, but you need to let me into the boat. And if you let me into the boat, we're going we're gonna to do more. Um, together. And if your agenda is what God wants you to press through today, I, I just encourage you to invite God. Just invite God to take over your agenda. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know if it means praying with your husband or wife or, or praying with your kids before they go to school or praying with your coworkers. Like some of you guys are like, hey, uh, well, that's it for me. <laughs> that's the end of it. But God's saying, you got to let me in the boat if we're going to do more. For some of us, what God really wants to press through um, is, is our dependence on our own ability, right? We, we know how to fish. I know how to do this. Like, I'm going to learn how to be the best dad there is. I'm going to learn how to be the best. I'm going to read the book, and I'm going to come up with a strategy, and I'm going I'm to figure out how to do this. And you have been up all night working on something. And what you think is, God wants me to work harder. But what God really wants you to do is start trusting him. And then 
kind of that last group. Like you've had these experiences with the Lord or you, you've done that. And, and, and it's, not, it's not God that you don't trust. It's yourself. And you know God wants to do these big things, but you look at you and you think, I can't get there. I can't. And you're like Peter, and you're just weighed down by your own limitations. And, and I was thinking about uh, this this week, and uh, there was particularly, um, um, I, I, here, I just have to confess to you, I, I did not read The Lord of the Rings. And I'm sorry to those of you that that's important to you, but if I could watch it in three hours or read it in three months, I was going to watch it in three hours. And so that's what I did. Um, but, uh, but I was thinking about the first Hobbit movie. Are you guys, anybody familiar with that? You guys have heard of Lord of the Rings? You've been under a rock for, you don't respond. I, I make the students do this. Um, so, and I was thinking about, there's this scene in the first Hobbit, uh, they're inviting Bilbo Baggins. If the nerd quotient has gotten too high for you, just phase out for a minute and we'll get you back. Um, but, uh, and, and Bilbo is this little Hobbit and they're about to go on this big adventure and there's part of him that really wants to go. But then they come up with this contract, and all of a sudden it looks dangerous. And he's thinking, I can't do this. And he has this argument um, with Gandalf the wizard. I know that didn't help you people that were on high nerd alert. But um, he has this conversation in which they're arguing back and forth. And, and, and he's like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a guy, is essentially what he says, who lives a comfortable life. And, and that's what my people do. And, yeah, I would like adventure, but that's just not who I am. And can you promise me that I'm going to be okay if I follow you, right? He's at this moment where, where they're saying, come on, follow us. And he's like, well, can you promise me I'm going to be okay? And they say, no, we can't promise you that you're going to be okay. And he says, then I can't. I can't. I would rather be comfortable and mediocre than, than risk going after more. And I think a lot of us, it's easy to make that decision when it comes to looking at our families when it comes to looking at our jobs, when it comes to looking at just our lives and the relationships that we have, that we think, God, only if you can promise me that I'll be okay. And God doesn't promise Peter any of that. He just says, don't be scared. Come on. Just, just come with me. Don't be scared. Follow me anyway. I know your limitations. I know what you can't see, but I can see. Follow me anyway, even if you can't see. And so kind of the crazy thing, the interesting thing about The Hobbit is that Bilbo just says no. And, and, and so they all say, well, okay. And they go on their way, but they leave um, the contract for him. And we're going to watch this scene, I think. Is it going to come up? Are we going to get it? Um, look at us, almost. And this is him waking up the next morning after he said no. And thinking he got what he, want, what he wanted. And then realizing what he really wanted. And particularly... I, I wanted to show this scene. It's okay. You won't miss any dialogue. I wanted to show this scene because I want you to see his face when he really finally goes after what he wants. And I want you to think, God, what would it take for me to make that face when I come after you?
You see his face, right, when he finally realizes, like, this is what I really wanted. Right? And in church, I just want to speak to you today and just say, I think that it, it's not your personality. It doesn't matter. You know, Matt, like you were saying, like you're lower. I'm probably about here, probably on the passion scale when it comes to stuff like this. But what I want to tell you is that that's, like, if you're like, well, that's just not me. Like, I don't, I don't go on adventures. It doesn't matter. It's Jesus. And he doesn't wait on our personalities to determine what use we have in the kingdom. Peter looked around and he was like, I can't, I don't have that. I can't, you may say, whatever your can't is, I can't speak, I'm an introvert, I'm not passionate, I'm not whatever. Like Jesus looks at that and he says, well, just come anyway. Because what we're doing, nobody's ready for it. Nobody's equipped for it. But if you'll just forget about that and follow me, there is so much more, even than a lot of good fish. You know, and for every single one of us, like you may think, no, I pressed through. No, if you're alive, God still has pressing through for you. You've got breath. God has pressing through for you today. So I just encourage you to to listen to the Spirit. I'm going to ask Bo to come back up. And uh, we have some ministry elders. If they'll come up, they'll go ahead and come up and, and be ready to pray. I mean, you think about these three things in responding today and say, where do I fit um, in one of these places? And particularly, if you feel like you do, if it resonates within you, we would love uh, to pray for you uh, during this response time. The first is this. Like, you just bought into comfort a long time ago, and you can't even get out of the shire, right? Like, you're just, you just, like... Your heart, honestly, the more we settle for mediocrity, the more our heart gets used to it. And and so for some of us, there's like, I even want to want it. And that's as close as I can get. I don't don't want to follow God, but I want to want to follow God. And if that's you, like, God can shape your heart still. It's it's not over um, for you. And and we would love to pray for you about that. The second, um, and this group really stuck with me all this week in particular. So if you're in here, I really... We would, we would covet the opportunity to pray for you, um, is that you've kind of hit the wall with your own ability. You just, you've hit it. You can't get past the wall anywhere else. I was thinking about this this week, our daughter. I told her I was going to share this, and she said it was okay. But my little girl, Emma, you want to wave? That's Emma. Um, she just started back to school, and uh, we hadn't been there because, anyway, variety of reasons we were, because we were moving. And um, one day this week, Jane called me and said, Emma's sick. And so we're kind of waiting and see if she can go into school a little bit late today. And I was like, okay, well, tell me what happens. And I found out later that the reason Emma wasn't feeling well was because she was afraid of some things at school that she just felt like she couldn't handle. That she had tried and tried and tried at some of these academic things, and she had just hit her limit. She had hit her wall. And she didn't see any other options except just to quit. And once we found out, it was great because we were able to talk to her teacher and we were able to talk to each other and we were able to help her. And I remember that night when we were talking at home, I didn't want to tell her, oh, why did you stay out of school or or, why didn't you tell us what was going on? What I really wanted to tell her was, why didn't you tell us sooner? Look what happens when, when you'll just ask for help instead of depending on yourself. And I think for some of us, like you thought, you've bought into the idea that the Christian life is to say yes to Jesus once and then to work as hard as you can to get it done for him. And you fished all night, and you got nothing in your nets. And your only plan is to wash the nets and go out again tomorrow night. Jesus has another plan for you. And it doesn't involve you giving more effort. It involves you giving over more trust. 
And we would love to pray for you. And then the last group is the people that are scared off by their own limitations. You're Bilbo. <laughs> You're just like, I can't. I, that's, I can't. That's not how people work. That's not how I work. That's not how I'm wired. Whatever, I can't. And your own limitations scare you off. Today, I'd encourage you to ask God, what does it mean to follow anyway, even though you can't? I'm going to pray for us, and then Bo will lead us in response. God, thank you that you have more for us. And, and God, thank you that our can'ts don't seem to scare you off. God, that you sit, God, and you say, well, let's do this anyway. I know you can't, but let's do this anyway, God. And I pray for people in particular today in this room that are just struggling. God, there is a can't in front of them, and they don't know how to press through, God. They don't know how to invite you into the boat. They, they don't know how to trust you more than their own ability because they've kind of just been in this place so long that they don't know what to do. God, I pray that you would lead them and guide them today. And God, I pray that you would show every single one of us, God, in here today, what does it mean, God, to run like we're already late for the adventure? God, show us, God, show us. We know that we can't even fathom what you want to do in our families, in our church, in our community. But God, give us a taste. God, show us what it means to follow anyway, even when we can't fathom. In Jesus' name, amen.